Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. All right, so we got the kids in with us uh, right now. And you'll notice that I got a little envelope uh, for you. So now um, I want to, if your parents will allow me, I'm actually, I want to teach all of you kids how to fight. All right? Now, I don't mean how to fight your brother or your sister, okay, or how to fight some other person. I'm talking about, guys, we are in a spiritual battle. We're in a spiritual fight. See, God is wanting you to have life and freedom and hope, and he's got big plans for your life. But you know what? We do have an enemy, the devil, and he wants to trick you. He wants to lie to you. He wants to take you in a different direction. And so he does that through hurts, and he does it sometimes through other people. And see, but we have to remember that everything we do, it's spiritual. It's connected to either the enemy, Satan, or it's connected to our Father in heaven who loves us. And so I want to give you a little, here's a strategy how to fight, okay? And what we call it, it's called acting in the opposite spirit. It's a powerful, powerful weapon that you have. And so what it means, if someone hates you, what do you do in return? You love them. Right? If someone says something mean or cruel and they curse you, what do you say to them? You bless them and you build them up and you speak words of life. And you have to understand that when you do that, see, Satan comes at you through another person's mouth, right? And he says a mean thing and a cruel thing and it comes and it shoots at your heart. And when you act in the opposite, when you say, you know what, even though they were mean, I'm going to be kind, what it does is just turns it right back around and it puts a spiritual battle on them and you're actually defeating the enemy. You're beating Satan when you do that. First of all, because it doesn't land in your heart, it doesn't get you. And second of all, you start to bring light and love and kindness to them. Guys, this is a powerful, powerful weapon. And I don't care if you're three years old or you're 95 years old. This is a weapon all of us have. So I actually have, this is a weapon right now in your hand. And we're going to talk about complaining today. And I actually, what I want you to do is we're going to act in the opposite. Before we even get started, you could do this, kids, through the whole service right now, especially when I start to get really boring, okay? And now what I want you to do is I want you to take this card, and the opposite of complaining is thankfulness. It's gratitude, right? So I want you to take this card, and I want you to write a thank you note to someone, anyone right now. You could do it for your parents. You could do it for your teacher. You could do it for your boss. You could do it for that coworker who drives you crazy. Parents and kids, we're all going to use and employ these weapons right now, okay? And you know what would make it really cool is if you can think of somebody that you don't really like a whole lot, that would even make it more powerful. But you decide, okay, anybody. In fact, you could just ask God, who should I write my thank you note to? And you could put, you know, could draw things on it and kind of get it ready. But, but let's, by the end of this service, have this ready to go. And then make sure this next week you deliver it. And you're actually, by doing that, you're not just thanking someone. You're actually doing a spiritual thing. You're fighting on God's behalf, okay? So we're going to act in the opposite spirit on these thank you cards. Now, I've got a few... Um, uh, a couple options that I want to bring up. Can you bring those cars for us? Now, if you had the choice between these two cars, you could get a, a 2022 BMW 7 Series here on the left or a Jeep Wrangler. Now, how many of you just yell if it's you, okay? 
Now, by yelling and going crazy, if between those two cars, how many of you would choose the BMW? All right, there's a few there. Okay, now how many of you would choose the Jeep Wrangler? Uh, We must be in Western Colorado. (laughs) All right, well, let me show you something about both these cars. Now, take the, what what happened there? Stop, go back a couple slides. So now if you were... um, there you go. So now if uh, you were to five, buy this car today, five years later, you can sell each of those cars for $27,000, all right? Now, if you were to buy it today, you'd pay $101,000 for that BMW. You'd pay $30,000 for the Jeep. So in five years, look at what happens. In five years, after buying that one on the left, you have lost $74,000. And on the one on the right, You've lost $3,000. Now, you can decide which is the smarter purchase, right? See, but there are things here that are losing their value. And a BMW loses its value really, really fast. And you know what else I've seen that has lost its value? Words. Have you seen how cheap words have become? Like how quickly we're just ready to say anything? And how how slander and complaining and lies, I mean, people just kind of throw out whatever words they want to do. And somehow words have gotten really cheap, really, really fast. And and we use words to hurt one another. And we use words to just like, it doesn't, we don't even mean what we say sometimes. But I want you to understand something. Kids, listen to this. Words are important to God. Words have not lost their value to God. He says in this, okay, everybody do this. In your tongue right here, it says, it's the power of life and death. The power of life and death is right here. In your tongue. The things that you say can kill or can bring life to things. Isn't that exciting? So you have this power right now. And God says that in Matthew. He says that you're going to give account for every word you speak. Every single word. Wow. Now, you don't have to be afraid because Jesus will cover you. But we have to be careful with what we say. We just kind of throw words out and God takes them seriously. He listens. See, listen, when you pray, when you say, Jesus, I love you, he pays attention. When you say, Jesus, help my mom, help my dad, help my friend, he's listening to you. He pays attention to that. There's a lot of power in that. It means something because you're so precious. Every word you say is important to God. So we got to be careful about what comes out of this mouth. See, one of the things is that we know in Luke 6.45, go ahead and bring that up. It says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. See, this is one of the reasons God takes us so seriously. The things that come out of your mouth show what's inside your heart. And God really, really cares about your heart. Your words have power. They're important and they are not cheap. They are precious. So we need to be careful. And so we see that there's a problem in Israel. If you have your Bible, open it up to Psalm 95, verse 8. And we see there's a heart problem in Israel. And actually, at the end of verse 7, it says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massah in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me. 
Though they did, they had seen what I did. So they saw all these wonderful things that God had done, but they were doing something else. And it says, for 40 years, I was angry with them. I said, these are people whose hearts go astray and they have not known my ways. So I decided on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Now, what did they do? What was the big problem at Massa and Meribah? Well, would you believe that part of the problem was that they were complaining about dinner? That's not all of it, but it was part. Now, now think about this. Guys, what's the worst thing that you could possibly have for dinner? Go ahead, tell me, just yell some of the worst thing. Cooked spinach. Why would someone do that? You know, I, I don't even think it's supposed to be a food, but radishes. I don't think we were meant to eat those things. They just make you burp, and it's just like, why, why did anyone ever do that, right? And so what happens when God, when, when your parents, when your mom, your dad, they bring you food that you don't want to eat? What do you do? Ah, Brussels sprouts. Ah, can't I have chicken nuggets and mac and cheese? That's what I want, right? But guys, I want you to understand that when your mom, your dad brings food in front of you, that actually God is providing for you. Did you know that God put your parents there? And so maybe, maybe you need some Brussels sprouts for your body. I don't think anybody ever needs radishes, but maybe you do. I don't know. <laughs> See, but there's a whole different idea. You have to understand that when you, now listen, catch this kids. When you complain against your parents, you're actually complaining against God. So let's be careful, right? So instead, next time they bring Brussels sprouts, next time, even radishes, even radishes, Next time, say, Mom, thank you. Dad, thank you. You didn't have to do that. See, next time your boss puts you on that assignment that you don't want, thank you. Thank you. See, because God is even using your boss. Somebody's waving right there. That's right. You're right there. I see that. So let's try things. So let's see what they did, okay? So let's go over to Numbers. Chapter 20. And we'll look at verse 2. And it says, Now there was no water, so the Israelites, they're out in the middle of the desert. It's called the Desert of Zin. And God has taken them there. Remember that God has taken them there. Now there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. And they quarreled, they complained with Moses and said, If only we had died. I mean, that's better than being thirsty. If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into the desert that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? And here they are. It has no grain. It has no figs. It has no grapevines. And it has no pomegranates. And there is no water to drink. The big thing that they did, that place right there is called Meribah. It's called Nasa. And what is the big thing that they did? They complained. They started grumbling. Oh, I don't like this. And we see that actually, listen, parents, get this, that complaining is offensive to God. Complaining is offensive to God. I mean, when is the last time you said, seriously? You, you've got to be kidding me. Really? That's what we're going to do? And see, I found a little clip. Actually, Sarah found it for me. And, and this shows how I think it sounds in a lot of our homes. And it's not just the kids. Let's go ahead and show that clip, please. Oh, 
Oh. Come on, Russell. Would you hurry it up? I'm tired. And my knee hurts. Which knee? My elbow hurts, and I have to go to the bathroom. I asked you about that five minutes ago. Well, I didn't have to go then. I don't want to walk anymore. Can we stop? Russell, if you don't hurry up, the tigers will eat you. There's no tigers in South America. Zoology. Ah, for the love of me. Go on into the bushes and do your business. Okay, here, hold my stuff. How many of your houses sound like that sometimes? And a lot of times it's not even the kids, right? So you know what Meribah means? It means quarreling. God named the place Meribah because they were quarreling. See, complaining actually, if you have a complaint, you actually are quarreling with God. So remember that God brought Israel there. That's where he led them. He brought them out of Egypt. He took them to the desert of Zin. He took them to that place that had no water. And their quarrel wasn't with Moses. It wasn't with their circumstances. Their quarrel was with God. But I want figs and I want grapevines. And isn't it crazy that they would say, I want comfort so much that rather than being free, I would be a slave so I could have a pomegranate again. What? See, listen, this is the cry of the world, and it's the cry of our hearts. Give me comfort or give me death. That's what the Israelites say. I want comfort, and if I don't have it, we complain. And so why is complaining so bad? Why why is it so offensive to God? Listen, because it changes your heart. It changes your mind. It changes the atmosphere. Your complaining and your words actually guide you. Did you know that you don't always guide your words, but sometimes your words guide you? And they take you places you don't want to go. You know, in this, this horrible war right now in Ukraine, you've heard, what's the difference between the soldiers? It's morale, right? It's everything. And why is Ukraine doing so much better than anyone thought they possibly could? Because of their morale. Because of their hearts and their thoughts. And listen, guys, we are in a war. We're on the march right now, and we're heading to battle, and we can't go into battle going, oh, I'm tired, oh, I'm hungry, oh, my elbow hurts. We need to go in with power and strength because you are called, listen, I don't care how old you are, you are called to spread light, and you are called to spread life, and you are to bring truth in the middle of the lies. And so when you come into the room, it shouldn't be like, oh, big harsh mellows there and everything. Ugh. It should be like awesome sauce has entered. There's love, there's power. And if we go through there complaining, we lose our ability to fight and do what God wants us to do. And see, it reveals, your words reveal your heart in complaining. You know what complaining reveals? A quarrel with the Lord. And it is the language. Complaints are the language of fear and they're the language of powerlessness. Kids, why do we complain to our parents? Because we don't get what we want, right? I want to stay up later. It's our last ditch effort. We think if we keep complaining and we use a voice like this, that maybe our parents, they'll change their mind. Please, I want to stay up later. Oh, I had to go to... Does it work? I hope not. Parents, I hope not. What's left when you feel powerless? What do you have left? 
complaints. Listen, guys, there's so much in this world right now that I am frustrated about. I mean, so much that I just, I can't control, right? And it's so easy for me to complain. And Jesus said, love your enemies and complain about those who persecute you, right? Wrong. He said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And see, God has another strategy and another tool for you when you feel powerless or you feel afraid, and it's prayer. Hey, kids, try this. Next time you don't get what you want, how about this? Next time you have to eat something you don't want, next time you, know, you have to do some chores you don't want, how about praying? You can pray this, Lord, please change my mom's mind. That's okay. But you know what a better one is, Lord, what do you want me to do right now? Do you want me to honor my mom right now? Because you aren't powerless. None of us are powerless. Prayer is so, so powerful. And adults, the same thing goes for you. With the politics, with your boss, you could complain or you could pray. And are you praying for our nation? Are you praying for our leaders? Or are you just complaining about them? It's the language of fear and powerlessness. It's also the language of unbelief. See, we see the unbelief in Israel, the spies. Jesus, uh, Moses sends out these spies to check out the land that they're supposed to take over. Numbers 13, just a few pages back from where we were. Numbers 13, 27. Moses sends these spies out to say, okay, now can we go into the promised land? And they come back, and in 27 it says, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. It's a good land. Here's its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful. See, that's fear. And the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Amak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then one of these two spies, Caleb, silenced the people before Moses and said, no, 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 we should go up and take possession of the land. For we can certainly do it, see, because in God all things are possible. But the men who had gone with them said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report. So they started saying bad things. They started complaining about the land they explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. It's too big. All the people there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim, the descendants of Anak come from Nephilim. We've seen like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we look the same to them. And that night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled, complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt. Isn't that amazing? You know what's better than being afraid to them? Being dead. What? Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives, our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to just go back to be slaves in Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader. Let's go back to Egypt. And then God responds in chapter, in verse 10. And it says, but the whole assembly talked about stoning Moses. And the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meaning. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the miraculous signs I've done? I'll strike them down 
with a plague and destroy them, but I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than they. You know, so why does God get so frustrated? Because they're complaining against him. Because they don't see him in the midst of it. I mean, have you ever thought about our unbelief in the middle of God's provision? Think about this for just a second. All those stars, he created them. And the mountains, he built them. And then in your body, like think about your eye. Isn't that amazing how an eye works? How on earth did that whole thing come together so we could see? And your circulatory system and all these systems in our body. And then all the systems in the universe, you know, like the water cycle. Isn't snow an amazing thing? Like a storage system of water that God created? So it could come down and then it comes back up and goes around. I mean, what on earth? And then we come and we say, ah, I don't think I believe in God. I mean, he's got to be like, what? Or how about this? God paid your bills. God helped you with that last test. God fed you. God came through time and time again in crisis after crisis. And we think, I don't think God really cares about me. I don't think God really can do anything. What? I mean, he's got to be like, what? And then he sent his son Jesus to die for us. And he pulled us out of the pit and he sent his Holy Spirit to be with us and he walks with us every single day. And then some of us say, well, I don't don't think God really loves me. And if I was God, I'd be like, what more do I have to do? What more do I have to show you? Guys, be careful with our words. Pay attention to what they reveal about our hearts. And before you complain, think a little bit about what he's done for you. Think a little bit about what he's given. You know, uh, I, I have a new game that I play with Naya, my 11-year-old, and she hates it. But I love it. And uh, I say, uh, whenever she says, well, that's not fair, I say, oh, good, let's play what's not fair. And so I start listing things. And I say, you have water running out of this faucet right now. There are people who don't have any clean water at all. Is that fair? You're sleeping comfortably in your bed tonight. I wonder what what some of the kids in Ukraine are doing right now tonight. Is that fair? And she starts yelling and she puts her hands on her ears. I hate this game. What's fair, right? Guys, I have so many complaints right now. So many complaints about our country. But before I start, let's stop and just take a minute to think about what I'm thankful for. God, I thank you that I am here in a room talking about Jesus, praising his name, and I have no fear whatsoever that someone's going to come shut us down. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that I am going to sleep in relative security tonight. I'm going to eat probably more than I should today, right? And so you sit there and you think about what you have and you think about what God has done, and I stop kind of putting my fist like, ah, I'm this country, ah, rah, rah, and my heart turns to prayer. Oh, Lord, help us. Oh, Lord, help us to see what we have. Oh, Lord, help us to, help us to repent as a nation and turn back to you. And I think God looks at it and he says, I've done all these miracles. I've given you all these things. You know, you crossed the Red Sea and I gave you manna and I gave you quail. And what more do I have to do? And see that little card that you're going to put out, gratitude, it's actually worship, it's praise, it's warfare, fighting against the mindset that this world has right now, which is I deserve, I deserve, I deserve. 
Because complaining is the language of entitlement. It is the language of I deserve. See, I deserve pomegranates. I deserve figs. You ever seen this little meme? A list of all that you're entitled to, all that you deserve? Let's go ahead and bring that up. Here's a comprehensive list of everything you're entitled to and what the world owes to. It's all right there. Have you ever considered that maybe the desert was exactly what Israel, the Israelites needed? I mean, think about it. They were slaves. So they were used to just obeying orders. And they had to go out in the deserts and figure out how to fend for themselves. God was actually toughening them up, teaching them. They had learned just like, okay, you give me the food, right? They, they, they knew how to be weak. They knew how to be subjects. They knew how to have their heads down. And God was saying, no, no, no. See, I need you to lift your head up. I need you to learn how to fend for yourself, to fight, to stand, to work. Matthew 16, 24 through 7, Jesus tells us, listen, if you're going to follow me, you've got to take up your cross. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. And here's a question I have for you, follower of Jesus. Is God allowed to allow you to go through difficulty? Can God take you through deserts? Is God allowed to take you through tough times? And oh, it's not fair. Listen, before you complain, try this. What do you have for me in this, God? God, why do I have to eat these Brussels sprouts? Lord, why do I have to be at this job? Lord, why am I going through this difficulty? Is there something for me in the midst of it? And I'm not saying everything bad comes from God. I don't think, I don't think coronavirus came from God. But in the midst of it, God, what do you have for me? What do you want to do? Because I don't want to grumble against you, Jesus. Here's the other thing. The complaining is also the language of injury, right? So when someone hurts us, and we're too afraid to confront them, what do we do? We complain about them. Yeah, I got a little secret for you. Did you know that, um, that bald guys are the last guys to find out that they're actually bald? I didn't know, everybody else knew I was bald. I was the last to know. And so I, had a, I, was, I didn't think I was bald. I had like six hairs that were just right here. Right? And so I was at uh, this conference in my last job, and some guy came down to me, and they said, oh, yeah, your coworker said just look for the bald guy. And I was like, what bald guy? Who, what are you talking about there? And I realized, they're talking about me. I'm not bald. I have six hairs. <laughs> and so I was like offended, you know? Like that injured me. Why would they call me the bald guy around here? But then I looked in the mirror, and I was like, well, I can't really confront them on that. You know, I can't tell them what they did was wrong. So you know what I did? I complained about him. Oh, that guy's not very thoughtful. Boy, he's mean. He just calls people bald all the time, right? See, that's what we do. And here's the thing. The Bible, nowhere in the Bible does it say, hey, go sulk in a quarter and have self-pity and moan. So why don't you, it never does God say, go sit in a corner and pout about what, what's happened to you. Never. Always get up. Always look at my face. See, you have two choices when you're injured. You can deal with it, go talk to them, forgive them, work through it, or you can forget it. Complaining is not an option. When people come and complain to me about what other people have done, I was like, okay, have you talked to them? And if you don't have the courage to talk to them, you don't have the right to talk about them. You got to put that down. 
Listen, church, we are called to hire. We're not called to do it like the world does it. In your soul, it is too important to be false. It's too important to be split in two where we're kind to someone's face and then we complain about their backs, behind their backs. In James 3.10, it tells us out of the same mouth come blessing and cursing. This should not be. These mouths were made for praise. These tongues are powerful. Jesus said, grumble about those who curse you, right? No, bless. Bless those who curse you. See, that's warfare. That's fighting the spiritual battle. See, the rest of the world is stuck in complaining and grousing and and God's saying, no, no, you, you come up higher because you know what? We're not looking at this world. And every time you complain, it just shows where your eyes are. It shows that your eyes are on yourself. It shows your eyes are on the circumstances of this world because when you are looking in the face of Jesus, you know what the last thing is that's gonna come out of your mouth? A complaint. When we lift up our eyes to the King of kings and the Lord of lords and his beauty and his power and what he does and his call on our life, how are we gonna complain? And if you are complaining, it just shows, it is proof to you that you and I are looking at the wrong things, trusting in the wrong things, hoping in the wrong things, and our eyes are in the wrong place. We bless. We bless, we bring truth. We bring life. We bring salvation. We bring freedom. We bring blessing. And see, complaining, it just throws away your witness. It throws away your power. When you are complaining, you are losing the battle. You know, my daughter, one of my daughters, she has voted everything, exactly opposite as me in everything. And every time I get with her, I'm so tempted, I just want so bad to just complain about the results of all her voting choices. And when I do that, does she say, oh, dad, thank you for pointing that out? Never. She has never done that. You know what it does? It builds a wall. I don't want to talk to you. You're a grumpy old bald man. Stay away from me. Listen, followers of Jesus, we don't build walls. And politics are important, but guess what? People are more important. My daughter is more important. Followers of Jesus don't build walls. We tear walls down. See, followers of Jesus, we are not people of fear. We're not people of this world. We're in it, but we're not of it. We are not people of unbelief. We are not people of entitlement. We are not people who are wounded and walking in injury. Church, listen, you are a truth proclaimer. We are life givers. We are hope messengers. We are freedom fighters. We are confidence creators. We're bridge builders. We're salvation bringers. We are praise makers. Guys, we gotta get above this stuff and get into the fight and be who we are meant to be. Watch your words. Be careful of what you say. This is meant for gratitude. This is meant for praise, for life, for freedom, for hope. Let's use our tongues to glorify our God. And it demonstrates where our hearts are. So let's pray. Lord, I just ask for forgiveness, for complaining. Because it shows that I'm looking at the world, I'm looking at myself, and my eyes aren't on you. And so, Lord, before I complain, I ask, Lord, that you would teach me by your Holy Spirit. We just ask for help, Lord. We need a little help in this. Would you remind me to give thanks? Would you remind me to give praise?
Would you remind me, God, to encourage? Lord, I want my tongue to bring hope, to bring life. And I ask for forgiveness for joining in in the way that the world does things. And I want to do things the way Jesus does things. I want to do things the way your spirit does things. So Lord, let us be people who are thankful in our hearts and we prove it by our mouths. Let's glorify you, Lord, in all that we do. And Lord, right now, we are just going to come before you and we are going to bless you and we're going to give you praise. So let no curse come out of our mouth in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in him. God bless you.